Isn't it great we've got a God who loves us, even though we're broken, even though sometimes we, in fact, often we fall short of His best. We uh, so often let one another down or fail on His mission as a church, and yet He loves us and He forgives us and He heals us and He restores us and He picks us back up. And we know that um, in no matter what place we are on our spiritual journey, we can come to God and uh, lay our lives before Him. Trust Him with our care, for He is sovereign and He is great. And His love for us is unbelievable. If you have your copy of the Scripture, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews. We're, um, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, verses 7 to 14 today as part of our series on the book of Hebrews. We're taking a number of weeks now to work our way through uh, this great book of Hebrews uh, and a series called Christ Overall that talks about, uh, as we work our way through the book of Hebrews, we'll see this great exciting book talks about the majesty and the glory and the strength that is our great God and how He uses that to show love and mercy and peace to us. To offer us, a sinful, broken, fallen people, mercy. To offer us grace and salvation through Christ Jesus. And so, if you haven't read already through this great book of Hebrews, start reading. You've got a little bit of catching up to do. We're in chapter 3, but we've taken the last few weeks to, to work our way through this. We're in the, the fourth part of our, our series. Uh, this week is we're in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 to 14. And I'll challenge you to read through the book of Hebrews uh, because there's some great stuff in this. And we'll take a number of weeks just to kind of work our way through this. Some great passage after great passage. So Hebrews chapter 7, uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. It says this. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as, it is, sorry, as, long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly God, I thank You. And I praise You for the precious gift of Your Word. And I pray, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit guide us through it now as Your church. Teach us, Lord, Your ways. God, You are great. And greatly to be praised. And we thank You for this time of worship. In adoration, we thank you for the time of being able to listen to your spirit. Guide our heart as your church. Teach us, Lord, your ways and help us to boldly follow you. Help us to be that encouraging force that lead one another in your ways. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Now some of you who, um, who love the Psalms may recognize uh, much of the reading today because it's actually a quotation of Psalm chapter 95, verses 7 to 11, or much of the reading for today is an exact quote from uh, Psalm 95, verse 7 to 11. 
which is a great passage in Psalm 95, talking about what a great God we serve and how powerful He is and how great His love for us is. And so it reminds the nation of Israel to say, God is great and He's greatly to be praised. He has saved us. So don't be, don't let your heart be hardened. Don't be like those people were in, in Israel uh, who were led out of captivity in Egypt who started to doubt God. Don't lose that faith, but keep strong because God is forever strong. He is forever faithful. In fact, here we have great what well, the Old Testament and the New Testament call us to remember the times when we have been unfaithful to God, times that we failed to trust Him and so have hardened our hearts. And then not only remember those times, but to learn from them. You see... We, we have a tendency as people, we try to forget when we've made mistakes. Or we try to forget when we've done things wrong. Now maybe you're one of those people who just can't let them go. Um, I think a lot of people just, they, they try to forget about those mistakes. Right? We remember the good stuff we've done. Now sometimes you may think, um, I've heard a lot of times people say, Oh, oh goodness, my... My boss only remembers all the bad things I've done. You know, he didn't remember the one good thing or the, uh, the few good things. He seems to focus on the negative. Some of you have said, oh, you know, my kids only remember the bad things I do or, or whatever, or, or, or a spouse, and, and not focus on the good things. We ourselves, we tend to think that we're pretty good people. And we, we remember all the good things we do, but we fail to, to look back sometimes and see at times how we have been unfaithful to God. At times that when we have allowed... Uh, the deceitfulness of sin to lead us away from God. But here, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Scriptures call us to reflect back on that and to be challenged to, to be uncomfortable for a moment and to look back and to see times when we've failed God, when we have been unfaithful to Him, when we've gone down a bit of a slippery slope, and then to learn from that. And so here, the writer of Hebrews challenges the Hebrew people again to remember their history and to look back in times when they have let God down and when they've fallen away from Him, and to learn from that. And so it says, so today, if you hear His voice, we should read, today, when you hear His voice, follow Him, be faithful to Him, while it's still called today. Now this is an interesting phrase, isn't it? Today, if you hear His voice, or later on it says, do these things while it's still called today. Now this is not as much of a, an epoch of time as it is a sense of urgency. It's saying, now, don't, don't put this off. Don't delay. Don't procrastinate with this. But take this seriously and be intentional about it. Now, we are pretty good. Sorry, I'll, I'll speak in general here. We're, we're pretty good at procrastinating, right? In fact, I procrastinated long before I knew the word procrastinating. I was good at it. I perfected it long before I even knew what it was. We're good at putting things off. Or maybe I should say we're bad at putting things off. We're good at doing it, but it causes so much trouble, doesn't it? We, we, we do it all the time. And we're so bad, we think, right, this time I'm going to be so on top of things. I'm going to be organized. I'm going to get it. And then we tend to go, oh, hold on, this is more important this is a little less important. I'll put this on the back burner. And then all of a sudden, last minute, we're going, oh no, I was supposed to do this. How many of you have, you know, you've had kids going to uh, one, of their, one of their multiple friends' birthday parties and you're getting ready to go and you've got all the kids in the car and you're ready and you go, oh, we haven't got a present. We haven't done this. We haven't, we've put this off to the last minute. 
and now we're going to be pressed for time and whatever. Many of you who maybe uni students, you've done this. I hope none of you have done this. Uh, but if, if you're a uni student out there, don't do this. But what I tend to do was put off a lot of assignments until the last minute. Now, I fully intended every term, every semester, I, I got in those classes and I said, look, I've got the syllabus. I know when this is due. Piece of cake. I'll start reading all the books well ahead of time, weeks ahead of time. And I'll get into this and I'll be so organized. No. For me, it just didn't happen. It was last minute. I'm trying to read 30 books. And I'm trying to work my way through this and try and find great quotes from here and work it. And you know what? You know what these lecturers do? Believe it or not, as amazing as we think we are at, at pulling things together in a moment, they look at this and they go, oh, okay, well, not bad for about a week's work of work. Yeah. Like, they know that, that we haven't put that full effort into it because it shows. Because... I, I, at least, for me, I can't read through that 30 books or, or whatever I've got to do to this one essay in the last couple of days. I can't throw it all together. It looks like it's thrown together. What he's saying here, what the writer is saying is, look, this is actually important. This is important as a church that we need to guard our hearts. The challenge here is saying, do not harden your hearts. Protect your heart. And verse 7 to 11 is saying, I want to let you know, church, this is important. So don't put this off. Don't procrastinate on this. Today, with a sense of urgency, get to it. Guard your heart today or that faith can slip away. Now, this is not talking about losing your salvation. This uh, hardening your heart is not talking about losing your salvation. John chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus is talking. He said, All that the Father has given to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. John 10, 28 and 30 to 30, again, Jesus is speaking, and he says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And my Father who is given to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us once and for all of all our unrighteousness. We are forever changed when we give our life to God. Our name is written in that Lamb's book of life, eternally secure. We don't lose that salvation. But when he talks about hardening this heart, hardening our hearts or slipping away, is that we can lose our focus a bit and start drifting away from God. Now, one thing I've learned through my spiritual journey is God never moves. In that, in that he, he never drifts away from us. Now, I'm not much of a... I mean, I don't have a lot of experience with, with the beach here. I don't have a lot of experience, as many of you do. Some of you are out there catching waves all the time or you're out on the paddle boards or whatever. You know, I just kind of watch you guys and say, yeah, good for you, that's great. I, I enjoy going to the beach, I love it. But I didn't grow up at the beach. In fact, I grew up far, far from the beach. And so when I go out there, I don't know much about it. And probably the most dangerous people at the beach are those who don't know anything about it. Uh, the tourists who come to all the beaches... And they just jump out there, right? don't they? And you can see, some of you who experience beaches, you can see these guys who are, hold on, you see him? He's in the edge of the rift. And you can see people, sometimes they keep trying to swim this way a bit, but the, the rift's just pulling them out and, and drifting away. Now, I found, what I found in our spirit, my spiritual journey, what I can find according to God's Word, is He never pulls away, He never drifts away. He stays steadfast and strong. We 
We so often are unfaithful to God. We so often go our own ways. We're so often tempted by ways of the world and we drift away from God. We take our eyes off of the Master and it always causes problems. A good example of that is in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. We see a great story. Many of you are familiar with this. A story of, of when Peter walked on the water with Jesus. Now, the, the disciples are in this boat and they're wondering where Jesus is and why he wasn't there. And then all of a sudden, while they're out in the water in this boat, Jesus appears walking on the water. Scares them to death. It would any of us, wouldn't it? They go, hold on, what's going on here? And Jesus says, Peter, do you trust me? Well, of course he said, yeah, of course I trust you, Lord. He says, all right, well, walk out to me. Now, we tend to trust God when it makes sense, don't we? We, we tend to trust God when it's easy and when we go, yeah, okay, as long as you say, do you trust me? And we say, yeah, okay. And he goes, well, just stay in the boat and you'll be okay. Right. Okay, easy. But when he says, do you trust me? Yes. Well, then step out on the water and you'll be fine. Not many of us are going, all right, I'll just leap out of the boat, do we? We just go, but Peter trusted Jesus so much that he stepped out on the water and what happened? He sank, right? No. No, he walked on the water, out on top of the water with Jesus. Peter's walking on the water until he takes his eyes off of Jesus. And when he takes his eyes off of Jesus, he starts to, uh, to slip in the water. When he, when he focuses a bit more on his, his environment or the surroundings, when he realizes, that, hold on, this is water I'm walking on, when he sees his, uh, his friends, the disciples, and he realizes the situation he's in, he starts to sink. And he reaches up and he asks God for help. And Christ rises him, uh, raises him again, uh, enables him to, uh, to be safe. We, um, we so often are like that in that we, we don't lose that salvation. We are eternally secure in Christ, but we, we slip away from him. We start to slip into the, the temptations of sin and our hearts become hardened as they rebel against God. And here he's reminding, again, remember this is a book to the Hebrews. And so he's reminding the Hebrew people, the people of God, uh, the people of Israel, He's reminding them of their history and the time, especially a huge time in which they fell away from God. So he says, don't harden your hearts like those in the rebellion. And this is talking about the people of Israel when God was leading them out of captivity in Egypt. And he was leading them to the promised land. They had been over 400 years. For 400 years they had been slaves in Egypt. And God delivered them in undeniable, unfathomable ways. He showed his power and his strength he was greater than any military leader, any government leader uh, of the time. He showed his power and strength, delivers the people, and he leads them into the desert, heading toward the promised land. And what happens? You would think when, when God delivers the people in such a powerful way, when he shows his majesty and strength above uh, the Pharaoh in Egypt, you would think the people of, uh, of Israel would go, man, we're going to trust him. We're going to follow him no matter what he says. Because we've seen him say some crazy things and do some crazy stuff. And, and he has shown his power and strength and delivered us. But that's not what the people of Israel did, is it? Within days of being in, in, the, uh, in the desert, walking along, they started whinging and complaining. In fact, they started saying, You know what, Moses, why, why are you following God when he's leading us out here in the desert? We were better off back there in Egypt. 
We were better off being slaves and tortured there. And you've just brought us out here to the desert to die. The people who had followed God and seen His power and majesty and strength as their Savior had turned their back on Him. And God made them wander around in the wilderness for 40 years because of their unfaithfulness. Their hearts had become hardened because they started wanting their own desires and their own ways rather than following God's will. Their hearts become hardened because they wanted to listen to the voices of others, the voices of one another, rather than following God's guidance and God's voice. And so here in this little passage in verses 7 to 14, we see a couple different ways in which we as a church can hold one another up uh, so that we don't become hardened and we don't slip down that slippery slope of deceitfulness as the people of God have been known to do. The first we find in verse 12. Verse 12 says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now this involves a couple things. First of all is we need to be accountable to one another. We actually need to be intentional about knowing one another's spiritual journey, about knowing one another's walk with God. And we need to be intentional about leading one another closer to God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, Let's, Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Now, Paul talks a lot in the New Testament about how we are one body. And what affects one part of the body affects the whole thing. In fact, that's how they come up with the word the Catholic Church. Uh, with a little c, you know, Catholic means we are one united church uh, with a big c is different that's kind of the, the the roman catholic church but the idea is we are meant to be one catholic church one united body in christ following him and we need accountability we need to support one another i myself as a pastor i have uh, a mentor another uh, pastor that i meet with on a regular basis so we have uh, our, our elders from a church here that we meet with on a regular basis I have a renewal group, which is a group of pastors that I've met with uh, for, for years upon years on a regular basis. We have area pastors that we try to meet with on a regular basis. We need that accountability. We need that support to make sure that we are, are walking the faith. We're developing our own relationship with, with God. We are growing in that relationship with God in order to continue to do His work. We need one another. And the challenge, one of the challenges for us as a church is to move beyond just having a cuppa and a chat on a Sunday morning. We have to do more than just uh, catch a game together or talk about the weather or the kids or just kind of surface-level stuff. If we want to keep a deep faith, then we need to have deep conversations with one another, keeping us on track. To avoid those, the temptations and the distractions, the things that, that seem to harden our hearts to the things of God and soften our hearts to the things of the world. We need each other. And that's one of the missions of the church is to hold one another up, to recognize those needs and to make sure that no one hardens their heart or has a hardened or unbelieving heart. It's a big challenge, isn't it? Because it's easy to come here and uh, we talk about the coffee or whether we like the coffee or we don't like the coffee or we like the cooler weather or we appreciate the summer weather or... Uh, we, we hoped it rained and now we hoped it stopped raining. Uh, we, we talk about 
weather kind of stuff. We talk about sports. We talk about government stuff. Or maybe we, we argue over a few things with that. And then we go back out and we kind of do things throughout the week. And week in and week out, we can actually be with each other every single Sunday. Sometimes Sunday morning, Sunday night, sometimes through the week in different ministries. And still not know each other as we should as a church. We have a responsibility to know each other far more than just someone has a medical appointment coming up or someone uh, has just had a baby or the exciting news or the challenging news. We need to know each other's walk with God and encourage each other in that and, and, and spur one another on to love and good deeds. And it says in verse 13, we should take it further than that. We should recognize the needs and that we should know one another and see to it that no one has that hardened heart or unbelief and in verse 13 says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you have that hardened heart by deceitfulness. We need to be leading one another in love. Now, I hope that every one of you here this morning can think of someone in your life that's been an encourager. Now, aren't encouragers great? They're just wonderful, aren't they? Now, some of you may have had a whole heap of people who are just encouragers in your life, and I hope that's true. But I think the majority of us have had a handful of people, and you just go, oh, my goodness, that person is such a blessing. That person's great. And you know what? You know what's, you know what's annoying about encouragers, though? I'll just tell you one thing. Do you know what's annoying about encouragers? They can get you to, do, they can get you to change things without you even realizing it. They can get you to, re- to, to change your, your wrong ways and your sinful ways just by loving you so much and by encouraging you. And, and you want to do what they have to say. You, you listen to what they say and you want to follow in that way because of how they say it. Because you know that they love you. And, and you know what I'm talking about. There are some people who, man, they don't like the way you're living. They don't like some things in your life. But the way they say it, you just go, they still love me to death. You know, they just love on me and they keep leading me in the right way. That is how we are meant to be leading each other. We're supposed to know one another. Yes, spiritually, we're supposed to hold each other accountable. But to do that in love and to encourage one another, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 says, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Colossians 3, 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. The word admonish means to seriously encourage. Seriously encourage one another with all wisdom as you sing and as you worship our great God. We are a nation of hardened hearts. A people who once knew God's love but have left Him for other lovers. There were hearts in this nation that were passionate about mercy and grace have now become hardened by pride and egocentric focus and deceit. We have to take action as a church to make sure that we don't go down that same slippery slope of deceit. We have to be aware of one another. We have to hold each other accountable to lead each other to God. And we must do that through encouragement. We must do that through love. We must do that through forgiveness. We must do that by pointing one another to God in all things so that He softens our hearts by His grace.
We have a miraculous God. We have a great God who is strong and He's mighty. And He's mighty to save. And He gives us hope when, when, when we shouldn't have any hope. He sees how we, we stumble. He sees how we fall. He sees when we start slipping from Him. And He's there to rescue us and to save us every time. And He does that lovingly. He does that encouraging us. He does that strengthening us and building us up. I was told when I came here, when I moved to Australia, I was told that Americans are foolish. Now, that may be the case. I'm sure a lot of Americans are foolish. I'm not to say I'm not. But they said this whole American dream stuff is ridiculous. Because they say, you tell your kids they can be anything they want to be. And they said, that's ridiculous. Some kids can't be anything. And I thought, whoa. I thought, this is pretty harsh. What? And I thought, well, I've always done that. I've always been told I can be anything I want to be. And I understand the point in saying there are some kids who may want to be an astronaut or an astrophysicist and you're terrible at math and you don't understand this stuff. You need to direct people to where they're good at. And I understand there's been people gifted in different ways and God blesses in that. That's fine. But part of the role of, of parents, part of the role of, as a church, part of the role of society is to build one another up and to encourage people to have those hopes and dreams and to know, especially in church, that we have a God who can lead them to do bigger things than they could ever imagine. You see, it's, it's kind of a little different from the American dream and the church thing is that we're not leading people in some false hope. We're not leading people to say, hey, you can all be astronauts or you can all be astrophysicists, whatever. We are saying you are important to God and God has chosen to use you in this community to share His hope his message of grace and hope and reconciliation. He's chosen to use you as part of this church to share his message of hope. And God is greater than anything you can imagine. God is wanting to do things through you that you can't imagine. God is wanting to change hearts and lives as you surrender to him. And instead of beating people up and saying you're not good enough or God will never make a difference through you, our role as a church just to build each other up, encourage each other, and to let people know that God is the one who will minister through us. God is the one who will soften hearts. God is the one who will heal and restore as we surrender to Him. We need to hold each other accountable, yes, to make sure we're not slipping down that slope, but to do that in love and encouragement. But to be aware today, today is the day in which we are encouraged to give our hearts to God. Today is the day in which we are encouraged to evaluate ourselves and, and say, are we slipping down the slippery slope of, of deceit and sin? Are we following the ways of the world or are we steadfast and strong with God? Because if we've been drifting away, we can find hope, we can find forgiveness, we can find mercy at the altar. And we need to encourage one another. No matter where we are at in our spiritual journey, we need to recognize one another, we need to be intentional as a church about getting to know one another, but to encourage and strengthen and lead people to the cross, to lead people back to God. Because He's the one. He's the one who can soften the hardest of hearts. He's the one who just lets His light shine through the blackest of nights to bring hope and eternal security through Him. Now, let me just pray for us. Dear Heavenly God, I thank You and I praise You for who You are. I thank You, Lord, for the, the mercy You've given us at the cross. And that all of our hearts that were, that were hardened by sin and, and deceit have been softened by your mercy. And although we deserve condemnation,
destruction and punishment and death. You have given us life and hope, eternal security in you. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace. And Lord, help us as a church to keep on trusting you, to keep on believing in you, not only when things are going our way and when it things seems like the, the way is smooth, but in the darkest of night, God, help us know that you are God and that you are sovereign and that we can trust you. And Lord, help us to not drift away in our faithfulness to you. Help our hearts to not become hardened by the things of this world, but God, keep us growing in our faith. Keep us maturing in that. Keep us knowing more and more of your mercy and grace. And God, help us to hold, account, hold one another accountable to that as your church, but to do that encouraging, uh, in, with encouragement, with grace, with mercy and love as you build us up. May we build one another up in your faith and keep our eyes, Lord, on you, the author and finish of our faith, the one who does the miracles through us as we surrender to you as your church. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.